Hello everybody, welcome to Ironcast, episode 8. My name is Paul Hamilton, and with me, as every week, is my lovely wife and co-host, Nikki. Say hello, Nikki. Hello. So this is month two. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've been doing this for a couple months. I guess I asked you at month one how you were liking it, and how you liking it after another four weeks. Um, I'm enjoying it. Think it's going to be too difficult once uh, Calliope gets here to keep going? I don't know. It's tough to say not having the experience of having an infant yet. I know it's going to be more difficult for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's taking us about an hour and a half, I think, to record when we do about an hour show. I don't think that if we have an hour and a half to ourselves <laughs> uninterrupted, <laughs> that we're going to want to spend that time fiddling around on a computer. Probably um, not, no. And that's just to record it. That doesn't include the time it takes you to edit it together. and Which is usually taking me about two to three hours at this mm-hmm. point. And so we're talking, you know, four and a half hours over the course of a couple of days to get it together so we can post it. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to happen like that's that. That's a lot of sleep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe at least at first, I, I still would like to do it because I think that it's nice to get your take on stuff. Um, and it's a little bit easier to me to do it than it is to, to get some sort of narrative flow going to write full-on blog posts. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason now, I feel like I have to make them spectacular every time I put them out there. That's because you've got a following now. <laughs> like three middle-aged <laughs> ladies in a... <laughs> Sonora. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think it would be kind of nice to maybe do like a... 15 or 20 minute one yeah maybe not even weekly but at least if we could get a couple in a month or something that would be kind of cool it's worth a try one other thing that uh i was talking to my my friend about is so we, we haven't talked about the blue toilet seat mystery in a couple of weeks and I kind of I didn't give up on it I'm still intensely curious and it still drives me insane that we never got <laughs> any kind of closure as to what it could possibly be but one thing is that uh, he, he strongly recommended after the the last time we talked about it that the, the sort of uh, chemistry approach wasn't going to yield much and i i would trust him in in knowing these sorts of things so i sort of (laughs) abandoned that approach and his suggestion was to just try and reproduce it somehow and see if we could start narrowing down some of the variables and of course it was about that time that it stopped yeah it hasn't been going on at all in fact it seems like the toilet seat is now lightning like i'm having a reverse effect on it Well, I mean, it's interesting because you can tell that it's whatever it is that was on there is changing because it's flakier, so it comes off easier. So I think maybe what's happening is just as we're using the the toilet, it's rubbing off. Ah. But the other thing is it's actually shifting color into less of a blue and more of sort of a dull gray. Yeah. So I don't know what that means, but in, in, in any case, you're not continuing to stain it, and so there's no way for me to really try and reproduce it. But he did come up with a, a couple of interesting theories because he's been sort of researching himself. I think he's 
partially as curious as I am at this point. And, <laughs> and he actually works in uh, the medical field, so he's got access to some some texts that explain some weird things. And he came across a condition called I'm going to butcher this name. I just know it, chromhidrosis, which is actually great great because he sent me this PDF of I think it was a scan from a a medical textbook, and it's talking about this girl that um, had blue sweat. Oh, weird. And, like, every time she would exercise and work out, she would, it would just, just normal sweat, but it was blue. And there's pictures in there of this, and it, it looks like she kind of had, like, Gatorade splashed on her. <laughs> you know how, like, they, at the end of the, the college football games, they, they walk up with the big cooler and they dump it on him. It was like if they had put blue in there and they had they had dumped it on her, but it was actually coming out of her sweat glands. I guess in this particular case, uh, she they, they tried to get her in to do some appointments so they could test it. So I guess they were going to have her like exercise and they were going to test her sweat. And she kept canceling the appointment. <laughs> and then finally she called and said, ah, it went away. And so they never did figure out what it was. <sighs> but uh, I, there is a, this condition that's uh, chromidrosis that is it's in a bunch of ancient even I think the Wikipedia article said uh, medical texts of different colors of sweat like black and yellow and blues and they I, as far as I could tell from the article and everything nobody really knows what causes it they think that it could be something in some cases like some of the medications that people take that are water soluble. They just end up getting into your system and then like the pigments come out. Weird. You know, it, it's kind of like the same thing with the, this in the specific toilet seat slash pregnancy thing. Everybody just sort of ends up going, eh, it doesn't seem to be a problem. It's not really harmful to anything. So it's weird, but we don't really <laughs> know. We're not going to put a lot of effort and time into trying to figure it out. So that's as far as we've gotten so far, but I guess we're still the, the the jury's still out, and we're still waiting for somebody to step forward with some either some sort of uh, research funding <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or something that they've already come across that explains what it is. But uh, the mystery continues. <laughs> This week was our 36-week appointment, and it wasn't with our usual OB. No, we met the other doctor in the practice because our doctor was on vacation. Oh, is that what it was? I thought she was... I, I guess I didn't realize it was vacation. She just said she was going to be out. She didn't seem I excited about it. I assumed it was vacation. Maybe it wasn't vacation. Then I don't I get, know. I guess I can't really judge it by what she's excited about because she doesn't get excited about anything. <laughs> she just has one emotion. <laughs> cool disconnection. Yeah. So did you did you like the uh, the other doctor? She might be delivering your baby. She was nicer than I was expecting, and I say that. Well, I say that only because I I called after hours one day because I was having contractions, and she was the on call doctor that ended up calling me back, and she seemed very irritated about the fact that I was calling and snapped at me that I needed to go to the hospital immediately. And but we've sorry. talked about that since, and 
I I think that our, or at least my assumption in that is that everybody who's on call is just kind of crabby because they're on call. Which is fine, except that if they're on call when we go into labor, you know they're going to be crabby. <laughs> crabby delivering makes sense. So she was unexpectedly pleasant considering your previous interaction with her? Yeah, she was really nice. Um, she reminded me of our doctor, too, in that she's kind of, you know, rushed and detached and, oh, you have nothing to worry about about everything, you know? <laughs> she was probably rushed because she was dealing with uh, her patients plus her partner's entire lineup of patients. That's true. Yeah. She seemed very annoyed that the lab or the ultrasound group hadn't sent the report from your uh, your growth ultrasound from last week over already, even though we had done it six days before. I don't know why she was surprised. I've never had them, any of the lab work, sent to those doctors. Every single time they send me to get, do labs or get an ultrasound or do anything, if I come back for the results, they'll say, when did you get them done? Where did you get them done? Oh, we haven't even got them yet. <laughs> yeah, they always seem surprised, too. <laughs> There must be some other patients in that hospital that are actually getting their results and we're the only people who they're like, eh, who cares? I hope that's the case because otherwise I think they just need to talk to their office staff and inquire why they don't have these results to them. <laughs> so we did the uh, Group B test again. <laughs> the one they had done too early and had to throw away the uh, yeah. sample or whatever. Then she told us what to do, or or she gave us information that I was kind of surprised about. She told us, when we go into labor, don't call the doctor, just go to the hospital and let them call the doctor. Which, I, I have a feeling we're going to get to the hospital and they're going to say, did you call the doctor? And we're going to say, <laughs> no, and they're going to say, why didn't you call the doctor? Now once, we have to call. <laughs> once again, we got the conflicting information. Somebody <laughs> else has the correct answer, because when we were at the, I could swear when we were at the birthing class, they said, call your doctor and they'll let you know when the right time is to come in. They did. And then I also looked at the at Valley Care's website under maternity services, and it specifically says, make sure you call your OB on your way so they can alert us and we can have a room ready. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we don't know where we're supposed to go when we get there, if it's supposed to be admitting or the ER. And we don't know if we're supposed to call the doctor or not call the doctor. I think at this point, my thing is, I'm going to play it by ear. I'm going to do what feels right. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like, there was these this whole complicated set of, it's like a flow chart for when to go to admitting <laughs> and when to go to emergency. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't really care. I'm just going to go somewhere. They'll get me there eventually, you know? And chances are I'm going to go to emergency because admitting is closed some of the time. And that was one of the flowchart things, like, is admitting closed? If yes, go to, you know, so I'm just going to bypass the whole thing and go straight to emergency. Because not only that, but the last time that we went in because you were having contractions and it was in the middle of the day and admitting was open, we had pre-registered. So they should have had it all, like, put together and ready to go. And we stood around for 20 minutes trying to figure out who they had no gonna... idea what to do with us. And yet when we went in a time before that, before we had been pre-registered and we knew anything about admitting, we went to the ER and we were in labor and delivery within three minutes. Easily. 
they they didn't take it as I mean they took it seriously. You know, you hadn't even they finished weren't... signing your name on the paper. They had somebody standing behind you waiting with a wheelchair. <laughs> and I'm thinking this is an efficient group. These are the people I want to deal with when you're in labor. So I'm going to them. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I mean, what are they going to do, right? If we show up, be like, oh, no, you have to walk across. You're in labor, but you have to walk all the way across the hospital and go to admitting and deal with them. I think they'll just take care of it. Yeah. You'd be like, and- you know what? You guys can handle the paperwork with admitting. <laughs> That's not really my problem, nor my concern at this point. Uh, worst case scenario, we know where labor and delivery is. We can just go right up there. <laughs> Let them figure out the protocols. (laughs) I turn my camera on. I cut my fingers on the way. On the way. On the way. I feel it slipping away. I wipe my feelings off. You made me untouchable for life. What was that you you put on your Facebook status today about <laughs> somebody making some rude remark to you? That was my um, Target shopping experience today when I was walking into the store. You know how they have those people that, and I really don't understand how it's distraction-free shopping, if when you walk outside there's people trying to sell you newspapers and get you to donate to charity and things like that. But it was one of those situations where there was a lady sitting at a table way over by the exit of Target. And I was coming to the entrance. And I heard somebody shout twins. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I kind of looked around and she said, yeah, are you having twins? I said, no, just one. She said, oh, a big baby then. Nice. And I I was so mad. I just said, thanks, and walked inside. (laughs) Sadly, it's not even the first inappropriate comment by a stranger I've received since being pregnant. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of people and, and stuff that we've read and anecdotal evidence to suggest that people's sense of decorum disintegrates when they're around pregnant people. There's been a, there's a lot of stuff in like the books that we've read and things where they talk about how pregnant women in uh, social environments people somehow seem to think that they're like public domain. Yeah. So they can touch perfect strangers in fairly intimate fashions that they would never do if the person wasn't carrying a child. And they can say things that you would never say to somebody. Which really blows my mind because don't you think that pregnant women are maybe a little more sensitive even than regular people? Like... I mean, we've talked about it. I know when people tell me that I look huge, they're never saying I'm fat. <laughs> but that's what you hear. So there's got to be, like, something you can you can say, like a sort of a script that you can operate on, <laughs> you know? Um, that would be good. Because, I mean, I was, I was even telling you today, like, I, I don't know, just knowing myself, you know, if there was something like that happening to me where there were people coming at me with what I think they thought were... I don't know, funny or cute or um, I, I can't. I can't even. I can't even get in the mindset of what some people are saying. Like you know, somebody saying, "Oh, I guess you're just having a really big baby." Baby, you know. So that's what, not a good recovery. What? What? Well, what kind of? 
what's your motivation for saying something like that? Are you trying to be supportive? Because that's that's not it. Are you trying to be funny? Because it's really not. I, I mean, even, you know what I mean. Even if you say it as a joke, that's not a funny joke. No. Yeah, it's you know, if somebody has to have a baby and it has to be big, that's actually kind of scary, right? That's. Well, yeah. That's how like problems can arise. If the baby is too big, they end up having to do C-section. So it's like you know, it's kind of like saying, "Wow, I hope you don't have have to have surgery." <laughs> I was just gonna say, I just think for me, I would have a really hard time not getting so sarcastic with people, you know, that it would like border on viciousness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just start turning mean on people and and I, I'm just surprised that there aren't more pregnant women that have this reput like pregnant I'm surprised pregnant women haven't gotten the reputation of being cruel because they have to put up with this kind of thing so much that they there's gotta be more of them that just flip out. Oh I'm sure there is plenty of women that that do flip out. And I mean, I'll admit, I sometimes get so sick of dealing with people that I just get a look on my face, like the don't mess with me look. <laughs> and people really, they just won't even do anything for the rest of the day. And then I feel bad because, you know, then I'm kind of in a bad mood at that point because I'm in the mindset of just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But I think that the reaction that most pregnant women, including me, end up going with is the overly sensitive, now I'm going to cry in the middle of Target. <laughs> reaction because I can't believe that person just said that to me and it's never ever ever when I'm with somebody else because if it was it would be awesome because I know whoever I was with would have a snappy comeback and say something in my defense you know like I don't think anybody's ever said when you're around are you having twins or oh you're ready to pop or well man you're big (laughs) I mean nobody said any of the the kind of stuff that I think really sets you off in my in my presence although I mean there there is the you're about ready to pop kind of thing but I mean that's such a cliche at this point I don't really think that's even terribly insulting it's insulting that I've been getting that since like six months (laughs) well but this was the other thing that we were talking about too is that for an extremely pregnant person you've managed to remain incredibly active late late into your pregnancy because I think one of the things that or one of my theories is that it is actually so rare to see a third trimester woman because most of the time I think they kind of hole up, (laughs) you know, like a lot of them are, there's like the whole, you know, bed rest. Right. If your doctor recommends that you're not going to see it, you know, a woman in her third trimester, if she's supposed to be laying in bed at home. And then there's the fact that a lot of them are really tired. They've got the um, SPD Mm -hmm. situation that starts you know, popping up, there's, um, you know, you subtract all of the uh, premature labors, you know, so they're having preemies, you know, everything that starts happening in the third trimester whittles down the number of women that you're likely to see that far along in their pregnancy walking around. And the few of them that can, like you, still go to Target on your own, even being nine months pregnant at this point, is such a small number that it's so rare for people to see women that pregnant that it's shocking almost because the most, most times when you see pregnant women, the pregnant, the most pregnant that they are is somewhere in their second trimester when they're still, they've got the nice bump, but it's not like 
whoa, dude, you've got a entire human being crammed in there. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't look like that in the second trimester. It just looks like, oh, how sweet. She's a nice little pregnant lady, you know? Yeah. It's not until that very end of where it's like, are you kidding me? How is that happening? That's That can't physically, you know, I mean, I understand the basics of physics, even if I've just taken sixth grade physical science, and that much stuff doesn't fit in that little girl. There's no way. <laughs> And yet somehow it is. That was the other thing about the appointment is we we were in one of the rooms that we'd never been in before. And they had one of the posters on the wall that actually shows a full-term pregnant woman sort of like translucent. So you can see where all the internal organs go to. And I was commenting even then, like, for the most part, when I think of your guts, you know, <laughs> like you're, it's pretty full in there. Just without, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, it's not like that there's a whole lot of empty space in your body. And somehow, there's enough of it, though, that just stretching your stomach out seven, eight, what, however many inches that it, it protrudes is enough to allow for all those organs to get out of the way and then this whole baby to be in there. I'm not talking about a fetus. I'm talking about a baby. <laughs> and it, it's just, I mean, it's still, even even now, for me to see you this pregnant, I still sometimes look and go... Not because you're fat or because you're you're massive, but I'm just thinking it is a crazy feat of, you know, biological engineering that this is even possible for a child this large to be inside of you. And you're a small girl. I mean, you're not that tall. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is I feel like people don't take that into consideration when they say that I have a really big stomach. I'm not tall, so it has to go somewhere. And I'm nine months pregnant. I mean, I don't understand what people expect when they see me. If I was, you know, much taller, then I'd have a longer torso and the belly wouldn't go out as far. But there's just not a lot of space. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's got to go out. And, you know, and there's so many things about that, too. There's, you know, I mean, every time you see a pregnant woman on TV or in the movies, they don't show a realistic looking nine month pregnant actress, you know? No. Even when they were like supposedly their water's breaking and they're being wielded. It's like, if you look at them, that's about five or six months, really. Yeah. Really, that's about five or six months, you know? Yeah, real nine-month pregnant women are the ones that you actually see barely moving. And, and, they, and they do look like they're about to pop every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And they've got their hands on their back and mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of support the weight. And I know that you, you kind of hate it when, when you get, like, the stares and stuff. <sighs> And people stare all the time now, like I'm a freak show. But I, I think I think most of that is coming from them being just impressed that you're still mobile at this at this stage of the game, honestly. And the more I think about it, the more amazed I am that you were able to make it through the long walk to the concert <laughs> <laughs> just a week ago or however. And I feel worse about it the the farther along you get. I, I don't I don't know I don't know why I didn't feel terrible about it at the time. I guess I did. I was just more the excitement of the concert overwhelmed it or something. But I really feel like I should have taken those uh, friends of ours' advice and just dropped you off at the front. After all, in spite of your protests. <laughs> you know the crazy thing is is I don't even think about it most of the time. I forget that I should be slowing down as much as I probably should be. And it's not until I, you know, I'm walking around Target for an hour and I'm exhausted and I'm like, why am I so tired? 
Well, you keep asking me these questions. <laughs> you know, we'll be out all, all an entire day on a weekend, you know, shopping and getting stuff together. And then we'll come home and we'll clean. And you're like, man, I'm exhausted. How could I possibly be exhausted? And I'm looking at him like, it's four o'clock. You've been up since eight this morning and you're nine months pregnant. How are you not collapsed onto the floor somewhere? Like, oh, yeah. There's plenty of crazy pregnant women that I know of that were exercising up until the day they gave birth. And that to me is amazing, especially since I haven't exercised pretty much the entire pregnancy. I think you've, you've proved your fortitude quite well enough. See if I can do it in labor. I have no doubt. It was the longest day that I ever known. I watched you start that drive. I am big. It's the picture that got small. Mm. Say, you know, I knew I should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. That's entertainment. Keeping up with our chronicle of the next Food Network star, although we're rapidly getting toward the end. What is there, two more episodes or one more? I guess two, because they're down to the final four this next week, and then I think the last... Final three. Oh, you're right. And then the last one's usually a live one with just the two. Yeah, I don't know if they'll actually... I don't remember how how they wrap it up if they eliminate the final person and then they just extend it for maybe half an hour while they him and Ha over the last two, or if they'll go ahead and do a full episode with the last two standing or not. Last week, they decided to get rid of your one of your early top frontrunners, Jamika. Although you didn't really seem that upset that she didn't go, I think you still would have preferred that Debbie went instead. Definitely. She should have still... gone first, but Jamika's problem was that, you know, she came out at the beginning of the, sh- of the show really strong and it didn't seem like she improved or ever really took any of the judges critiques to heart and so it just kind of seemed like she was just kind of floating along in the competition and (laughs) it was hard to believe that she really wanted it I mean she could say she wanted it in all the confessionals that she did but she wasn't doing anything about it and so it was hard to keep rooting for her as cute as she was you know right when there was people that were clearly improving like Melissa and I think what actually sealed her fate was during the challenge where they they were outside and they were cooking. I think it was the competition where they were trying to get their dish, which was supposed to be made with some sort of seafood that they were given and a wood fire grill so that they get the recipe that they came up with on the menu at Red Lobster. Well, it also it didn't help. I mean, this is definitely what sealed her fate. But remember, there was also a... a challenge prior to that in the same week where they messed around with them during a live taping on a morning show oh right that's where they they, they had a name for it that i don't remember but it was uh, like a technical difficulties challenge and i think they've done that in most of the seasons mm-hmm. where they they purposely throw stuff at them that would they're trying to knock them off their game so they had you know, like the the guy with the camera was getting up close in her face, and 
<laughs> they had one of the people, the host was just being a real pill, and given the, I think that was Melissa's, they were just giving her a really hard time, and then they Oh, had, he was changing her recipe, he was throwing things in, and taking ingredients out, and were you saying he doesn't like a horrible thing? And we saying like I don't like something that you know you you're about to cook, and she's like, oh okay, well that's okay, I'll make you like it, and he's like, yeah, I don't think this has enough hot sauce in it and stuff like that. <laughs> and then the other guy, they didn't, or I think actually Debbie's, they didn't give her half the utensils that she needed, so she was having to stir stuff with like a a zester. <laughs> And they took away, uh, I think for the other guy, they they took away his, uh, they said his microphone wasn't working, so they gave him an actual microphone to hold. So he was trying to cook <laughs> and hold the microphone at the same time. And everybody had a really good sense of humor about it, I think. Except, Except Jamaica. for Jamaica. Right. And she actually asked halfway through the live recording, is this a joke? <laughs> And I just remember thinking, oh, that was not what you should have said. (laughs) Especially if you don't know if it is or not. And and they kind of took her to task for getting, because she was getting grouchy about it. And it was was really coming through that she was not, didn't have a sense of humor about it. Wasn't coming across as unflappable like some of the other ones were. Mm -hmm. And so they they get to this Red Lobster challenge. And halfway through, they, they call halt. And they go up to everybody and they had already gotten the recipe ideas in their mind, and they ask them, okay, what are you going to make? And they all tell them, and then they say, okay, well... And, and each one of them was guilty of this. They they all had their comfort zone that they were in, and so, you know, like, Jamaica was doing, like, typical Caribbean thing, and Debbie was doing her sort of Southern Asian thing, and... Because uh, she's Korean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh... Was his name Jeffrey? Uh huh. And you know Jeffrey was doing like a lot of the southwestern spicy thing, and so they took all of the ingredients that they were had been relying on basically for the entire competition away from them and gave them something else to use. Stuff they weren't comfortable with at all. Like they gave Melissa habanero peppers to use, and with... she's not a cook with peppers <laughs> at all. Well, she's a, she's a cook for her husband and kids right you don't really give kids super no. spicy food like ever <laughs> so yeah they, they kind of tried to throw, throw her for a loop with that they they gave uh, Debbie a bunch of Mediterranean items and basically said you have to use something different than what you're used to and most of the other contestants were like okay sure no problem we're you know we're used to having our our skills tested put to the test this way that's kind of what this whole game is about and yet Jamika was sitting there just getting crabby kind of rubbing her chin pacing around you know chopping some stuff up kind of I don't know what to do with this I think they give her celery root or something like that something kind of off the wall yeah and then at one point the judges look at her and they they say what what, how are you feeling and she's like I'm just mad I just this is terrible I, I hate this (laughs) <laughs> and we just looked at each other and went, oh, when you could, you could, why would you do that? <laughs> like, we're doing that at home. I think like everybody watching is, is like kind of cringing. And then you can, they always pan to the judges. You can tell they're thinking exactly what the audience is thinking. They're just like, are you kidding? Did she just say that she hates, that she's mad for having to do this? Like, are you, this is it. This is what you are supposed to be doing is 
showing us that you can thrive under pressure and in a lot of cases artificial pressure yeah you know i mean think about a show like uh iron chef or dinner impossible or food network challenge I mean, none of these things are real kitchen emergencies these are things that somebody came up with because it makes for good tv and so you know you're seeing that and we, we were talking about it later and saying the problem is that if you're on tv it's kind of like the the camera adds five pounds thing. The camera amplifies the the mood that you wear on your sleeve mm-hmm. exponentially. If you're chipper, you seem really chipper. <laughs> if oh, you're Rachel Ray, right, <laughs> like over the top, like almost cartoonish, right? I mean, I'm sure yeah. in real life she doesn't come across quite as bam in your face, but on TV, you're it's just kind of hard to watch sometimes. You know, if you're not into the super high energy kind of thing. But the converse of that is if you're a, in a down mood, you you look like you're downright surly. Yeah. On camera. And that's how she was coming across a lot, especially when she got stressed out because she kept saying, oh, I'm in my, my cooking zone. I'm in my... I can't, I can't remember how she phrased it, but it was, you know, I'm head down. I'm, I'm just doing my thing. It's like, that's great, but you're supposed to entertain people. You're applying for the job to be an entertainer. Right. I think at that point I even turned to you and said, she's getting eliminated this week for sure. I said she could put the best dish out there in this competition and she will still get eliminated. And she ended up like coming up with like something really good at the very last... Like She had five minutes left in the competition and she... <laughs> Finally figured out what she was going to cook, and she cooked this really good meal, and they all liked it, and it but, didn't matter. Yeah, because at this point, I think the the last four, every, there was no doubt that all of them could cook and cook well. Yeah. The problem now is who who's going to be able to carry a show and who's going to be able to attract viewers, frankly. Although, let's talk about Debbie for just a second here and the fact that she didn't get eliminated. <laughs> Which she... Because she flat out lied horribly, like a five-year-old would lie, to Bobby Flay. Yeah, because... and, and you mean horribly, not in that like it was a an egregious lie. You mean horribly, isn't it? Was a she's a bad liar. Let's give her some uh, manzanilla olives, some anchovies, and some capers. Where are the capers? The capers are in the dressing. I mean, I didn't have capers. I had olives and I had anchovies. And capers. And then he was like, "Yes, they were." And she said, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> what? <laughs> so let me get this straight. They're in the dish. They weren't part of your ingredients, but she forgot them. <laughs> and this was the other thing that I was thinking is, this is kind of tangential, but she's not the first person on the show to say my bad. I think she's not. it's not even the first time that she in particular has said my bad. Well, that's because she messes up all the time. I don't think that phrase has been entered correctly into the lexicon. Not at all. Because I think what it means is, I'm taking responsibility for that. You know? like Unless we're using it wrong. It, I never took it to be my mistake. But I, that, that's the thing, is everybody uses it as like, oh, my mistake. But no, it, if, it's, if it, the only person whose mistake it could be was yours, you know? Like if you... I, I right. guess it's one of those things where it's like, you, you know, you... You walk into the kitchen and you see two bags of chips 
and there's like a note on them from your mom and it says enjoy and you eat half a bag of chips and she comes in and goes oh no 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 I meant enjoy and that was supposed to be for your dad it, it was a special treat for him You're like oh my bad like there was no way you could really know I mean easily it was an easy mistake to make right but, but okay I'm I'm accepting the responsibility for my own actions my bad you know but if you walk in and it says enjoy honey or you know enjoy Dan and you, the kid's name is like Joe <laughs> and he eats it <laughs> and he says my bad well of course it's your bad you read the note and you went oh these are supposed to be for my dad but I'm gonna eat them anyway that's not your bad that's you're an idiot or <laughs> <laughs> and so for her to be, you know be like oh yeah I tried to lie about it but my bad who else is bad was it nobody else was in the kitchen with you nobody took the the olives and you know hid them from you you just like i don't want to use those i think they called her out on it too during the uh elimination ceremony or whatever you want to call it (laughs) i think he said i think we need to talk about these capers again (laughs) 